Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's the GM Junior Show with Russ Landy. Presented by Sports Management Worldwide. Here's your host, Rick Saratella. Welcome back. It's the GM Junior Show presented by the Sports Management Worldwide. Welcome in, everybody. It's the 2019 Running Back Preview Edition. Our second episode here, March 19th, 2019. Hey, by the way, if you didn't tune in the first time around, we do have the QB preview edition available so wherever you may be listening itunes nfl draft scout blog talk radio please like subscribe share the word because we're just getting started baby it's R.I.C. seeing the place to be rick saratella telling it like it is when it comes to the nfl draft since 2002 we're about to be joined by my co-host russ landy we're gonna pick his brain on how nfl teams operate their war rooms how they value the running back position. And of course, we'll talk some 2019 NFL draft risers, sliders, some surprises. So buckle up. It's a double chin strap kind of day. We're counting you down to the 2019 NFL draft. And with that, we're going to welcome in Russell Landy. 20 plus years scouting trails. This man has tons of experience it's an honor and a privilege to welcome him in rams browns alouettes of course the original xfl ladies and gentlemen he is an innovator an originator in the nfl draft industry say hello to the people russ what's going on rick how we doing today oh man it's another can't stop won't stop edition and always love to talk football with you my man um you know listen we we broke down the running backs last week you definitely dropped some knowledge and some gems on us. I had to go back and reevaluate my whole Trace McSorley ranking. You know, you <laughs> gave me a lot to think on there. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to breaking it down here again with the running back edition. So um, with that being said. I got to tell you, your tip yeah. on the quarterback, I got to look at the Jackson kid. Yeah. So I, 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 if I were to rank him now, my top four would be Murray. And then I would have the kid from West Virginia, Greer, then Jackson, and then McSorley. So that would be my top wow. four right now. I really like, I like Jackson. That. I think you get that kid with a coach like a – not that Martz is in the NFL, but Mike Martz, Josh McDaniel, someone that's really good at the technique and the fundamentals. I think Jackson could blossom into a star. His film was really impressive. I'm re- really glad you uh, reminded me to go check him out. He's a guy I'm very excited to see how he does in the NFL. Hey, I've been a big fan, and I agree. I think I would sit him for at least two years minimum. Yeah, exactly. And have, yep, have, you have sit him, him learn. let him learn. Yep. Yep. No doubt about it. So, you know, uh, Russ Landy, Rick Saratella breaking it down for you. And before we get started, Russ, we are brought to you by the Sports Management Worldwide folks. Check them out, sportsmanagementworldwide.com. 
where you can actually register online for Russ's class, the uh, football GM and scouting. Tell us a little bit about that. You know, I mean, it's a course that I started teaching over a decade ago. Um, it's sort of an eight-week introductory course. Just, hey, here are the basics of scouting. Here are the basics of what is involved in terms of how to get a foot in the door working in football. Taking this class doesn't mean you're going to all of a sudden do eight weeks and boom, you're hired as a scout in the NFL. But it's going to give you some of the tips, some of the key things to get a foot in the door working, whether it's in high school, college, one of these arena leagues or Canadian leagues or something like that, so you can eventually work your way up. And we have alumni that are working in the CFL, NFL, pro football focused throughout the media, tons of people that have taken this course. I'd say right now we're probably in the 30 range of guys that are working somewhere in football. And it's, it's a great chance to at least learn the basics and learn if football really is something you love to have a passion for to work in, or is it something you're better off having that passion as a fan and continuing your normal career. Yeah. And Hey, from beginners to experts, I mean, I was out on the uh, pro day circuit yesterday at temple and Penn. check us out at NFL draft Bible on Twitter with all the updates there, but talking to the scouts, a couple of them mentioned, they listened to the podcast last week, Russ, and uh, you are well known in the scouting community. Now you talk about the basics of scouting when People do sign up for those classes. They want to learn about running backs. We're going to go watch some film on some running backs. What are you looking for when evaluating the running back positions? You, you know, it, it's always been a hard one for me when I first got in this business to, to get a great feel for the running backs. But as I've been in it longer and longer, I mean, in today's NFL, firstly, if a guy doesn't have receiving skills, it's almost not even worth considering them. Because how are you going to use a guy like that and be productive. And a perfect example, if you remember, the Giants took that kid out of Boston College about four years ago, led oh, yeah. the nation in rushing. But the problem is he couldn't catch. And within a year and a half, two years, he was done with football. So in today's NFL, I need a guy with good hands, a feel for the passing game, can, can run routes, knows what he's doing, is willing to pass protect, and is smart enough to understand the pass protection concepts. Then I want a kid who's instinctive when he's got the ball in his hands, whether it's as a running back carrying the ball or catching the ball out of the backfield. I need side-to-side -side agility. I need that quickness to get to and through the hole. Um, while everybody wants the 4-4 guy like Adrian Peterson who can just run away, from teams, the reality is very few plays ever get that opportunity. Um, and some of the great running backs, guys that have been really productive in the NFL, whether it's historically like Emmett Smith or recently like a Kareem Hunt, these are guys that ran in the four sixes and were tremendous running backs. So I want the quickness, I want the burst, I want the agility. I'm not really worried so much about the 40. Don't get me wrong, I'm not going to draft a 4-9 kid. But a kid that runs in the four sixes, that's not going to turn me off to eliminate him as a guy who I think could be a starter in the NFL. Yeah, Andre Williams, I believe, the running back out of there Boston you go. College. Russ, I'm curious now, you know, I have, call me crazy, I have a real hard time justifying a first-round pick on a running back. I mean, you see guys like C.J. Anderson, um, I mean, the story goes on and on about late-round guys, undrafted guys, Terrell Davis kind of players, and, and Rodney Anderson is someone we'll talk about later in the show who fits that criteria. But, you know, you mentioned Adrian Peterson. For as great as he was, never won a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, Barry Sanders, you know, 
I understand he had to carry that team on his back. Never won a Super Bowl. And even the Giants with Saquon Barkley, I know he's electrifying and he brings excitement, but, you know, they went from a three-win team to a five-win team. My point is, you know, an edge rusher is a game changer. A quarterback is a game changer. A lockdown corner is a game changer. You remember the Steelers with Palomalu, the Ravens with Ed Reed, the Colts with Bob Sanders. You have an in-the-box safety. He can change a game. I'm not sure the running back position is a game changer position. Agree or disagree? I I agree. I mean, don't get me wrong. Every team would love to have a true superstar like Adrian Peterson when he was at his best. I mean, those guys can can change games and make it so much easier for the offense. But I think when you look at today's NFL, especially where the ball is being thrown so often, and if you ask a guy, a running back, to be in there for every snap, catching passes, pass protection, carrying the ball – you're going to wear them out. So most teams are going to end up using two guys, even San Diego, where you have Melvin Gordon, and he clearly is their feature guy. Even he is out on every third series. So to me, it doesn't make sense to draft a running back in the first round, A, because there's a high failure rate at that position, B, because you don't need to be a strong running team to be a winning team in the NFL, and see, and this is one of the things that gets overlooked so much, and and Joe Banner does a great job of consistently making this point on Twitter, which is the success of your running attack has zero statistical correlation to the success of play action. Play action passing works whether you're good or bad running the ball. So even if my running back is just average, I can still be very good in play action. So there's no reason to feel, oh, I have to get an elite running back in order to help my quarterback in terms of play action. Not going to change it. Don't get me wrong, a good running attack helps an offense, but in today's NFL, you've got to be able to throw it. Running is a bonus. So I would not take a running back in the first round. The Chiefs found Kareem Hunt in the third round. He would have been and could still be once the suspension is over, one of the elite running backs in the NFL, and they didn't have to use a high pick on him. Very good points. He is Russell Landy. I am Rick Saratella. We're breaking it down. 2019 running back edition, the GM Junior Show here, presented by Sports Management Worldwide. And we're going to talk about the 2019 NFL draft class for the running back position. But first, you know, hey, we're we're getting to pick the brain of Russ, going inside the war room, trying to put that NFL uh, thinking cap on and, and trying to understand how uh, NFL teams think and, and how they view the running back position. And before we get into the, the RB class, Russ, I'm curious, you know, every year doing this, you always learn something new, of course, throughout the years. I'm curious to know, you know, throughout your years of evaluation, being in those NFL war rooms on the scouting trails, who's a running back with an organization that you were a part of? Who's a running back that kind of, um, outplayed his draft position where you guys selected him and who's a running back that that didn't live up to the draft slot that you selected him at you know when when you when you mentioned that this was something we were going to talk about I went and tried to look back and say okay as I was at the Rams okay we took um, Lawrence Phillips yeah that one didn't really work out Um, I was at the Browns we took William Green I was trying to find a running back who really did better than what we thought and I said you know what there's no one in the NFL but then I looked at the CFL and there was a kid we actually took. Um, it's a little different because obviously the CFL is a little different, and the CFL draft is only Canadian citizens. Um, you can't draft American talent. Um, but there was a kid we took, J.C. Beaulieu, 
um, when I was with the Alouettes. And we took him late thinking he'd be sort of that maybe a backup fullback, be a special teams guy. Um, but we really thought athletically um, because he had quick feet, he could change directions, um, and he was a better athlete than almost every player at his position, even though he'd really never been a true running back. He'd been more of a fullback, H-back. We thought this was a guy who could come in and be productive. Um, and now, three years later, he's a backup tailback, but he gets about probably four or five carries a game, four or five catches a game, also lines up as a slot receiver, motion receiver. He does a lot of things. And I think the thing that I learned from his evaluation, because we had decent grades and thought he could make it, but we never thought he'd be this productive, is when you have a kid who's that athletic, who has great hands and is really smart and competitive, it's hard for that guy to fail. And even in the NFL, if you have a kid who is a great receiving talent, and even if he's not dynamic athletically to where he can be a starter, a guy that can catch the ball, a guy that is very smart, can line up in multiple positions and is highly competitive, there is a spot for that guy at running back, whether it's in the NFL or CFL, because passing is so prevalent. And a guy that can impact the game catching the ball, you can't undervalue them because they may not be a big, strong power back who can be a 20-touch guy. Because those guys that can take that ball in space and make things happen, they're immensely valuable. Um, on the other side, you mentioned guys that bombed. Both Lawrence Phillips was the ultimate bomb. We took him at six when I was at the Rams. Um, and the other kid, William Green, we took him at 15 when I was at the Browns in the first round. These are two guys that physically the talent was there. I will tell you that in my opinion from watching the film, I thought William Green was a better running back in terms of pure talent than Lawrence Phillips. Um, but both of them failed really because they couldn't keep their stuff together in terms of doing the right thing away from football working hard all the time. And it wasn't that neither one of them wanted to be in the weight room. It was just they weren't always fo focused away from football so that they were always in the best shape possible and always ready when their opportunity arose. William Green was a kid that his first year in the NFL, we took him in the first round. First half of the season, he played a little bit. Second half, he actually led the NFL in rushing the final eight weeks of the season. We thought we had a superstar on, his hand, on our hands. But then the problems that had shown themselves in college that we had sort of pushed to the side, which were some failed marijuana tests, which were right before his two biggest games of his college career when he was going to play Miami, when he played at BC, he missed both those games for suspension for drugs. In the NFL, that came back and bit us in the butt, and he ended up washing out of the league very quickly. Um, a great kid. Um, he's turned his life around. He's really doing well. But unfortunately, the character plays a huge part in the evaluation process, and it killed us when I was with the Rams with Phillips and when I was with the Browns with uh, William Green. It was really devastating to see those guys not make it. Yeah, you, you, you just can't ever underestimate the value of character. And uh, Willie Green, a Jersey product, another Boston College running back, and um, Lawrence Phillips, what a sad story. Um, one of the sadder stories, and, and we're seeing some of that even evolve today with stories like Josh Gordon and Johnny Manziel, uh, you know, high selections uh, that just can't get it together off the field. So, you know, it makes for a disaster on the field. All right. Russell Andy, Rick Saratella here. Let's dive into that 2019 running back class, Russ. And, you know, you mentioned the athleticism before when you were talking and, you know, being at the Combine, 
you know, you always want to check off those boxes. And, you know, the two guys that sorely disappointed uh, when it comes to the athleticism department, uh, two running backs that I was very high on, actually, going into the combine, Elijah Holyfield and Devin Singletary. Now, these are more of your traditional between the backs, you know, bruising type of runners, you know, Singletary. I think he had more uh, yards after contact than any running back in the country. Holyfield, obviously, you know, listen, <laughs> this guy falls forward and gets you two, three yards. So obviously speed isn't really going to be a huge part of their game. But Russ, I got to ask you, I mean, I've got a hard time now slotting these guys when a running back comes out, Holyfield runs a four, seven, eight and Singletary, a four, six, six, which isn't as bad. But again, not the times we were expecting to see. I mean, we were talking about potential day two selections. How much of an impact do you weigh this and how much do you consider that now resetting your final board going into the draft? Well, you know, it definitely plays a role. I think for Holyfield, it's probably a bigger issue um, than it is for Singletary. Because for Holyfield, I mean, you're talking about a kid that's 215, 220, weighed 217 at the combine. So he's going to be a, more of a feature back, more of a guy that you're going to sort of run between the tackles. You're going to rely on him to be your – really, a, if, if you're going to make him a, a full-time guy, he's going to be your feature guy. He's going to be a three-down guy. Um, and when a guy runs that slow, and yeah, I understand 40 is not the be-all, end-all, but I can tell you the history of running backs who have run over 4-7 coming into the NFL and becoming starters, it's really low. Um, obviously, when you look at Holyfield, you definitely see the quickness and agility. He can put a foot in the ground. He can bounce a run outside, which tells you that he's probably a quicker than fast back. He, in his, in his short area, he's probably as quick and as fast as any back. But when you ask him to make that long run, he's going to have issues. And, and that really comes down the question you have to really answer as an organization is, do we feel that his lack of speed is going to hinder his ability to get through the hole in time? Is he going to be able to be effective on outside runs? And is he going to be effective as a receiver? I think with a guy that's going to be a true starting tailback, um, more than sort of a third down receiving back, I think it hurts him. Whereas I look at Singletary, this is a kid that's five seven and change. I mean, I think at the combine he measured out. I'm gonna see if I can look him up real quick. He was five seven half, about two hundred. I mean, this is a guy whose game is built on changing directions fast, making guys miss, and yeah, he no doubt breaks more tackles and runs through contact way better than I think almost anybody would expect for a back of his stature in terms of height. But when you watch the film. A lot of his stuff is quick change of direction, explosive bursts to get through the hole, excellent running ability in terms of slipping through cracks, making guys miss. But I think in the NFL, he is going to have a little bit of trouble with the true tackle breaking because even though he's over 200 pounds at the combine, when you watch him, he's not a power back. He's more of a make-you-miss sort of slippery guy. But because of his receiving skills and that make-you-miss, I think he can be a very effective receiving back in the NFL despite running in the four sixes. So for Holyfield, I think NFL teams are going to be concerned. They see that four seven eight. They're going to go back and watch the film, double check. They're going to see what he does at his pro day, see if he can improve on that. 
Um, otherwise, I think Holyfield's a guy that maybe late in the draft someone will take a shot on. Um, Singletary, I still think he's going to be a third or fourth round pick. Um, he's a little guy, but he is dynamic in terms of when he's got the ball in his hands. He can catch the ball. He can make plays out in space. So in general, I will tell you that generally that 4-7 is the big cutoff for running backs. Guys that are under it, they'll be able to say, oh, he's a little slower than he thought. He's in the mid-4-6s, but we can deal with that. Once you break a 4-7, that makes teams really start doing their homework just because the history, especially now that analytics are so big, they can go back and track all the running backs that have run over 4-7s. They'll also compare, okay, what's his vertical? What was his short shuttle? All these different drills, combine them, say, okay, what's his his, um, um, spark score, and see if that helps him at all. But most likely a guy that runs in the four sevens is going to have a hard time getting NFL teams to take him anywhere before the late rounds, if at all, in the draft. Yeah, that's a tough number to wrap your head around, evaluating right about four sevens. Um, you know, it's funny because I don't mean to make this into the Devin Singletary bashing show, and I didn't realize this until, you know, you said you're pulling up the combine uh, measurables. I did as well. One thing I just noticed, Russ, you know, Devin Singletary, the smallest hands of any running back in the draft class. And, you know, now, that, now not that it's a huge negative, but you got to, you know, the, the 40 doesn't live up to it. Now you've got the smallest hands. I'd have to go back and check to see if fumbling's even an issue. But is that something that you weigh? Oh, there's no question. You have to be concerned about that because when it comes to the NFL, small hands do, no question, have an effect on fumbling. So when you have a kid who's got issues in terms of size of hands, you try to go back and say, okay, what was his fumble rate in college? And you have to be cautious at just looking at the pure stats. You really want to know what, when people watched film, what did they see? Because a lot of times the stats in college, they get manipulated. You really want to say, okay, how many times did he touch it? How does he protect it? All of those different things. In order to be sure, you're talking about a guy that you think can hold on to the ball. Um, When you look at it, I mean, are they small yet? <clears throat> Eight and a half, not ideal. Is it a killer? Are teams going to eliminate him? Probably not. Um, but I will tell you, eight and a half is not something to get excited about. For quarterbacks, under nine is sort of the dead man walking. Um, for receivers, for running backs, eight and a half, you can get away with it. It's when you get down in under eight, that's where teams get petrified. But even eight and a half, there are teams that it's definitely not something you're happy about. It makes you a little bit nervous. Yeah, especially if you're playing the Northeast, I would imagine, with the weather conditions, the snow, the rain. So, uh, you know, just some things to weigh and consider here as we uh, talk about the 2019 NFL draft running back class. Russ Landy, Rick Saratella, we're brought to you by Sports Management Worldwide. Check them out, sportsmanagementworldwide.com. And if you like the analysis, if you like what we're talking about, you can learn more with Russ over with his football GM and scouting course online at Sports Management Worldwide. Um, You know, the one big internal debate here at the NFL Draft Bible, Russ, and the, and the, the publication will be a wrap this week. I promise everybody it's coming. Um, you know, the one internal debate we had was the RB1 on our big board. And, you know, Alabama, I mean, these guys, I mean, they got third string running backs who could be first round picks in the NFL. This guy, Najee Harris, 
coming out next year or two years, he might be better than both of these guys. But uh, Josh Jacobs and Damian Harris. Now, somewhere along the way, and as you know, this is a copycat business. I know Daniel Jeremiah, I think he was the first one to put Josh Jacobs in the first round. Not only in the first round, he put him in the top ten. About a week later, Josh Jacobs becomes this consensus number one running back in the draft. And listen, I'm not trying to take away from the talent. I just didn't get the memo that he was a better pro prospect than Damian Harris. Now, I don't know how much you've had a chance to dig into these two guys. Um, you know, obviously they're playing in the same kind of scheme. So when you go back and watch the film, you can kind of gauge, you know, compare and contrast. Your whole take on these two Alabama runners, I'm curious to know what you think, Russ. You know, I think they're very different guys. I think when you look at Jacobs, I mean, he's no doubt a strong, powerful runner, very good balance. But he's a little, to me, he's a little bit tight. Um, when I watch him change directions, it's not it's not that instantaneous jump cut. He's a little bit of, I got I to round it a little bit. Now, when he gets going north-south, he can hit that hole. He gets his pad level. He runs through contact. I mean, there, there's something to like about him if you want a true power back. Um, I don't see him doing a ton in terms of outside of the pocket, in terms of catching passes. Very basic and routine, and part of that is Alabama. I mean, I even look back to Mark Ingram, didn't do a ton in terms of catching balls. Um, I like Jacobs, but he doesn't do anything electric for me to get me excited that this guy's a special rare guy. Um, when I look at Harris, and, and like I said, I don't think I'd take any of these running backs in the first round this year, but I think Harris is a little bit more there in terms of running. Um, I, I think it's a little bit, when you watch him, he's a bigger kid, he looks like, like more a thicker kid width-wise than Jacobs. Um, I think he's a little stronger. I don't think he breaks as many tackles, and I think a lot of that is due to he needs to learn, and this is something that Stephen Davis years ago coming out of Auburn had the same problem. He has to learn to pick his feet up better. He has a tendency to just pick his foot up just a skosh as he's running, and if you don't learn to pick him up so you can get over low stuff, he gets tripped up and tackled by, by arms too much. But I really like him, and I think the thing I like about him more than Jacob's is there are a few times I saw he would he would be taking it towards the designed hole. That hole would get clogged. And instead of like a lot of running backs where they have to sort of motor down, change directions, and then come back to the hole, he showed the ability to put, put a foot in the ground and boom, he can make that jump cut. And the ability to make a jump cut to get to the other hole, that to me is a trait that often is overlooked. That's very important for a running back to be successful in the NFL. I think he does that better than Jacobs. That's why, to me, I think he's a little bit better in terms of as a runner. The potential is more. Now, he's going to need to learn to pick those feet up. If he does not improve in that area, he probably will not be a productive tailback in the NFL because he'll get tripped up so easily despite being a good athlete, having the balance, and having the strength to break tackles. You have to pick those feet up to be a consistently productive runner after contact in the NFL. Um, He, again, like Jacobs, is not a – dynamic guy out of the backfield. I don't see a lot of route variety. They're more checkoff guys than they are sort of integral parts of the passing game. But I do like Harris a little bit more than Jacobs. The little bit I've seen. I haven't sat down and watched seven, eight games of each guy, but just a game or two on each guy. Harris, to me, offers a little bit more agility and a little bit more sort of versatility because of that agility than Jacobs does. Very good points. And, you know, the one thing I'll add is I like the fact that Harris, you know, looks to keep it between the tackles. I like that out of my running back and especially playing in the SEC. 
you know, I, I, I got to go back and look at his feet now, but you know, I, I like the fact that, you know, he's proven against some tough, tough teams that he can pound the rock between the tackles. Whereas Jacobs, I notice his tendency to want to bounce it outside. I mean, if you give him a little bit of an opening to cut it outside, he's trying to get around the edge, which doesn't always work in the NFL, as you know, Russ. And I also, I also see, you know, a lot of uh, pre-snap movement, almost like a gadget player where Jacobs will move in motion, uh, come out of the backfield, line up as a wide receiver. So, you know, I think Jacobs might do, you know, a little bit more, but I think, Harris is going to be the more dependable guy, but I'm with you. I wouldn't take any of these guys in the first round and for whatever it's worth, when the draft Bible comes out as it currently stands, Damian Harris, one, a Josh Jacobs, one B Darrell Henderson from Memphis. You mentioned Kareem hunt earlier, maybe a, a, a comparison. There Our number three running back Travion Williams from, from Texas A&M four. And then miles Sanders, uh, a guy who made himself some money at the combine, out of Penn State, actually, his pro day uh, currently taking place as we record this episode uh, rounds out our top five. You want the full list? Hey, go to NFLDraftScout.com, pre-order the 2019 NFL Draft Bible. It's going to be a beast, ladies and gentlemen. Now, uh, my favorite part of the running backs are always, call me crazy, uh, day three, undrafted. You know, people don't realize there's more undrafted free agents in the NFL than fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks combined. That's a fact, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. So <laughs> with that being said, Russ, I, if I'm an NFL team and I need a running back, hey, you know, I saw a heck of a good one yesterday at the Temple Pro Day in Reichwell Armstead. I think he's going to get taken a lot higher than people are anticipating. But uh, for me especially if I'm a team with draft equity, you look at teams like the Raiders and the Patriots always, you know, stockpiling these picks, multiple picks, day three rolls around. I have my eyes on guys like, I mean, where have you gone? Joe DiMaggio. I mean, Bryce Love from Stanford. I mean, we were talking about last year at this time, if he came out, he would have been probably a first round pick. If not, probably a top 50 pick. Now, He's a lock for day three. Rodney Anderson, Russ, I mean, arguably the most talented running back in this year's. We, we mentioned Terrell Davis earlier in the show, kind of similar when Terrell Davis was at Georgia, could never stay on the field. Well, Rodney Anderson had one healthy season. His one healthy season might be the best single season of any running back in this draft class. Now the downside, three season-ending injuries. Day three all day, and then Jalen Moore, you know, Appalachian State, you talk about the freaks list. I mean, this guy's probably, you know, he didn't get a chance to test at the combine or his pro day because of the foot injury. He had the invite to the senior ball, couldn't perform because of the injury. People were talking about him as a potential top 100 pick. Now he's probably a late round flyer. So, you know, what kind of conversations are you having, you know, setting the draft board, trying to place these guys, hey, they might be more talented than some of these guys that are going to go on day one, day two, but it's hard to justify even thinking about them until day three. Yeah. I mean, it's medical stuff is always so difficult and I'm a big believer. One of the things I was taught early on is when you get down to that sixth, seventh round, the odds of most of those players ever contributing are very low. 
So why wouldn't you take a gamble on kids who were elite players with a medical problem or elite players with major character flaws? Um, because those are the types of guys that if they succeed and stay healthy or if they succeed and turn their life around off the field, you have a real chance of getting a star player or at least a starter out of a late-round pick, um, especially when it comes to running backs. Um, the, the, the biggest thing, and this is something that I try to really stress, is the job of a scout, you're, you're, you're way out of your pay grade as a scout to start saying, hey, this is a guy we can consider the medical's fine. Hey, your job as a scout is get the information. Get all the information on the medical. Get your trainers and your doctors involved. Those are the guys who have to make the decision. When you have your draft meetings, most teams, not all, they'll rank the players, and you will grade them based on their production, based on what you think of their talent level, based on how good you think they can be in the NFL. So you may have Bryce Love as a third and Anderson as a third, and then your medical people will come in and they'll say, hey, here are the 27 players we have concerns on. These nine you just got to take them off the board. They're complete rejects. These other 10, we like them. We think they have a chance, and we're, we're going to give them passing grades. We have no real long-term concerns. Well, that means you're going to keep those grades. So there might be a team that keeps Bryce Love or Rodney Anderson right where their grade is. Now, I don't think so in terms of Anderson because of three season-ending injuries, but there's a chance. Most likely, these are guys that are going to fall into the category of we think they have the talent to play at this level based on what you as the scouting department are saying, but we have real issues medically as to whether they're going to survive long term. Now, none of them have a degenerative condition, so we're not taking them off the board, but they're not guys we think are going to survive and last in the NFL, and that's why we're saying they're late-round picks. And I'll give you a great example, not a running back, but there was a kid, and you'll know this kid, Rick, um, and of course, right as I start to talk about him, I forget his name. Oh, there he is, Erasmus James. Uh, big defensive mm -hmm. end out of Wisconsin. Um, there were a number of teams that, after their draft meetings, had him the number one defensive player in the whole draft, number two defensive player in the worst-case scenario, 100% top 10, goes to the combine, does all the stuff, but his medical comes back, and it wasn't anything like no knee injuries or, or heart issues or whatever, but literally over half the teams, from what I was told at the time, felt that the way his lower body was aligned, the way his hips and knees and ankles, he had a very strange structure of alignment between them. Almost all of the teams had major concerns, and over half of them felt that he would never survive a year or two in the NFL because of that. So I know two teams that were ahead of the Vikings where he ended up getting selected. They had removed him from their board completely because their medical people said he will be gone from the NFL within two to three years. And sadly, his first season, he was started off slow, finished really strong, looked like he was on the verge of being a star, got hurt, came back the next year, got hurt, and was out of the league in two years. So the reason with all these guys you have to be so cautious and you have to trust your trainers and the medical people is, yeah, you may fall in love with a guy like Bryce Love's talent, but if your medical people say, hey, we love him, but when we look at the injuries, we already see arthritis or we see a structural problem with his joints, hey, these are guys that are going to fail because this isn't like baseball or basketball where, yeah, there may be some contact, but it's not collisions. It's not unbelievable violence every single week. And when you have guys with injury history, there's a very strong probability, and all the analytics people will tell you this now, is if a guy was hurt in college, 
the odds are he's going to be hurt in the NFL. Very few guys end up being like Terrell Davis, who were hurt throughout their whole college career and end up being healthy enough to play five or six years at a Hall of Fame level. Most guys who were dinged up in college end up being dinged up guys in the NFL, and that's why you can't risk early picks. But like you said, if you have draft capital and extra picks in that sixth, seventh round, that's where you can throw darts and take in a few guys that maybe they have medical or character issues, and you could end up with some home runs if any of them work out. Hey, you can't make the club in the tub. It's an old saying, but it rings very true. true. No doubt about it. <laughs> and, you know, hey, Jay Ajayi, a couple years ago going into the combine, I think people thought, you know, he was, you know, in contention to be one of the top runners in that year's draft class. They goes to the combine. They find the knee-on-knee, you know, degenerate yep. uh, bone issue. And, hey, he slides in the draft. And now you see it. I mean, he's a non-factor. How many times did you hear the name Jay Ajayi last year? Not very many. Yeah. So I mean, it said he had that one year where his knee yep. sort of held up. He had no issues. But it's one of those things where even when a guy can do it for a year, you just you don't know if they're going to be able to – I mean, even look at Todd Gurley. I mean, here's mm-hmm. a guy blows out his knee. Somebody they, – they feel comfortable taking him in the first round. But there's a huge risk when you take guys that have been injured. Um, who's the kid that the Patriots took at the first round, the D lineman out of Florida? And it was D- Damian Easley or Dominique Easley. Right. He Dominique had two Easley, or three yeah. ACLs in college. And I think if you ask anybody, his film, when he actually played, he was a wrecking ball. He was unbelievable Absolutely. in college. But the problem is, hey, he literally can't stay healthy. And you could, you could maybe even begin to state a case for Leonard Fournette. We saw his final season in LSU, didn't play too much. And now it seems like he can't stay on the field in Jacksonville. And there you go. You wasted a first-round pick. So Yep, and, I, and I'll tell you, it, it's something I, the Rams people, when I was there, it was never really brought up. But when I got to the Browns, Butch Davis was our head coach and last coach to take the Browns to the playoffs, an outstanding football coach. And one of the things he kept stressing that I guess he had been taught at the Cowboys when he was a D-line coach under Jimmy Johnson, which is he said the ability to stay healthy and play through pain and be in the lineup is a skill. And he said certain guys have the body and the mental makeup to handle it. Other guys either don't have the body or they don't have the mental makeup to battle through pain to stay in the lineup. And you hate to say that certain guys just that lack of toughness, but that does play a factor. We're not talking about touch football. We're talking about not just a contact sport, a collision violent sport. And if you can't stay healthy, there is not much value in having you on the team. Now, there's a difference between being hurt and being injured. And, very uh, true. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a very weird game in that respect. Yes, indeed. Uh, hey, time flies here on the GM Junior Show, Russ. Uh, we're going to put a ribbon on this episode. It's been uh, absolutely fantastic. I learned a lot listening to you speak. Um, you know, we're coming down the stretch here with the Draft Bible publication. I'm trying to get it out to the to the masses. I'm curious. I'm going to put you on the spot here real quick because, you know, there's nothing better than a good playlist. Uh, you've put together the GM Junior Draft Guide many, many years and, you know, bringing it home, crossing the T's, dotting the I's. You know, I'm all over the map. I'll go from Alice in Chains to uh, uh, Nirvana to uh, Wu-Tang Clan. I like the Alabama Shakes people, uh, John <laughs> Butler Trio. You know, I'm very diverse with it. But, you know, I like to eat just like 
find a playlist, let it ride, and let's, you know, whether we got to crank out some final scouting reports, watch a little film, adjust our final rankings, transcribe some interviews. I'm curious, what's on that Russ Landy playlist? Give me something I can listen to here, Russ. You know, you know you're gonna, you, this is going to kill you, because I really, when I'm doing my final stuff and doing the final editing, I actually don't have a playlist. I have to have a show on. I have to put a movie on or something. It's the only way I can sort of keep my mind fresh, because I keep looking up, take a peek, and it get, gets me away from what I'm reading. So when I come back and read, I don't make mistakes in proofreading. If I have music going... I tend to not do as good a job because I never take my eyes off what I'm proofreading. So for me, it's not the playlist. It's is there a law and order uh, uh, episode of like 30 in a row or is there or a Saigon or, or the Sopranos or something like that doing a marathon. And I just keep that going for like a week straight, 12 hours a day and just edit and type while that's running. Love it. Always good stuff. Russ, always a pleasure. Hey, I got an idea. Let's do it again next week. We'll talk about some wide receivers. Again, the GM Junior Show here. Russ Landy there. Rick Saratella here. Presented by SportsManagementWorldwide.com. Again, the football GM and scouting course. It's an eight-week online course. You learn from people like Russ, Mark Dominic, uh, Rick Spielman was at the football career conference talking about the course. So uh, definitely high value. And again, I see uh, sports management worldwide graduates all over the field. I ran into one of the uh, Blitz Analytics guys yesterday at the Pro Day circuit. They're everywhere. So get on board with that. Of course, NFLDraftScout.com. You can pre-order the 2019 NFL Draft Bible. We'll have people on location across the nation at the various Pro Days. So follow us at NFL Draft Bible. Go follow Russ at Russ Landy, R-U-S-S-L-A-N-D-E. Get it right. See him in the street. Shut the respect. See everybody. Rick Saratella. Till the next time. See you later. The GM Junior Show with Russ Landy and Rick Saratella is presented by Sports Management Worldwide. Exclusively at NFLDraftScout.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.